What's happening, y'all? Welcome inside the Fantasy Stock Exchange. Bush coming at you solo today to break down six players who are plummeting down my rankings. This is basically the opposite of the video that I did yesterday, players that were skyrocketing up my rankings. This is the negative version, the guys that you want to be potentially selling if you have them on your roster or holding and waiting for a selling window. So if you guys enjoy at any point, you know what to do. Leave a like down below. Subscribe to the channel. If you're new around here, comment any of your thoughts down below as well, and I will get to it. If you guys want the rest of my rest of season rankings, they are linked down below in the pinned comment in patreon.com forward slash fantasy stock exchange. Tons of other benefits over there if you want to support us. But without further ado, let's get into it. Okay, so the first guy up on the list, and this one this one definitely hurts. For those of you guys that had the 101, the first guy plummeting down my rankings right now is Jonathan Taylor, who went from RB4 just last week in my rest of season rankings update to RB11. A lot of you guys said that he should not have been my RB4 last week. You were probably correct, to be honest. I probably had a little bit of you know pre-draft bias held on to that take. There just isn't really anything to like about the, the Indianapolis Colts right now. They just fired their offensive coordinator this morning, which means all the pressure is on this coaching staff to start performing. And when their back's against the wall, I don't really love that for NFL teams. Jonathan Taylor himself is dealing with ankle injuries. He looks like he re-aggravated it a little bit in week eight's game. And as a result, he's been quite an average runner this year, which is not something that we would have said about Jonathan Taylor last year or the year before. Jonathan Taylor right now ranks 40th in the NFL and PFF rushing grade among 54 running backs. He led the NFL last year with evaded tackles per attempt of 44.1%, which is an absolutely elite number unmatched by anybody in the NFL. This year, he's only been avoiding a tackle on 25.2%, which is about in the mid-20s. He also had 23 breakaway runs last year, as opposed to just a couple this year. So definitely not the same Jonathan Taylor that we saw as the RB1 in 2021 season. I talked about Jonathan Taylor last week as a great buy low. I still believe he's a solid buy low right now, just based on him playing a little bit better. But the ceiling has fallen because the biggest draw of Jonathan Taylor in previous years was red zone usage, right? He had over 90 red zone touches. This year, he's like averaging three and a half red zone touches per game. So it's definitely a big fall off. And the reason for that is because the Indianapolis Colts rank 30th in run blocking right now, which is not something that we would have said coming into the season. We expected them to be a top five offensive line, especially as a run blocking unit. And they've been the 28th ranked scoring offense, whereas the top 15 offense that they were last year. So the quarterback, the offensive line play, it's making it hard for Jonathan Taylor to become better than a low end RB1. And even though Jonathan Taylor is a great running back and he can create a lot on his own, he's just not healthy enough, at least is what it seems right now to be able to do that. And the offense is not doing him any favor. So I still think he's a solid buy low if people are really, really panicked about Jonathan Taylor, but down from where I viewed him last week, he's now a back-end RB1 for me rest of season. Definitely a disappointing 101 so far this year. Moving on to the next player, we have Cortland Sutton, who went from my wide receiver 22 in last week's video to my wide receiver 30. Now, the dichotomy between Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton is something that was discussed all offseason something that we've been tracking all season. Right now, Jerry Judy's got 7.6 targets over the last five games since he came back from his shoulder injury that he suffered earlier in the season. Cortland Sutton has 6.8 targets over that same stretch of games. These guys are really, you know, 1A, 1B type of options. But unfortunately, comparing the two from a talent perspective does favor Jerry Judy. Now, fortunately for me, I was on the Jerry Judy over Cortland Sutton hype train. But for those of you guys that have Cortland Sutton on your team, Jerry Judy has a 69.2 PFF receiving grade to Sutton's 64.8. He has 1.7 yards per route run to Sutton's 1.55. 
7.1 yards after catch per reception to Sutton's 2.6. So Jerry Judy, by all metrics, is just the better receiver. And the better receiver is going to command more targets, be more productive for fantasy. And three of Jerry Judy's best four games this year in terms of receiving grade have come the last three games. So what we're talking about is a guy who's starting to pick up some confidence, get some chemistry with the quarterback and start to play better. And Cortland Sutton is going in the opposite direction. He's starting to lose chemistry with the quarterback, play worse and have his teammate, um, you know, siphon up all the targets. We can't control when Russ decides to not play like a hot bag of steamy garbage. But when he does play at least solid out there, it looks like Jerry Judy is the guy that he likes to go to, not Cortland Sutton, which downgrades Cortland Sutton to wide receiver three territory and a guy that hopefully you guys sold before it got to this point because I don't think you're going to get quite as much for Cortland Sutton as you want. I would probably hold him as the time for the time being. I probably wouldn't try and sell him because I think you're just going to get lowballed. But as of right now, he's definitely a downgraded version of his former self earlier in the season. If Jerry Judy misses more time, that definitely changes things. But as of right now, just a wide receiver three. So we can move on to the next guy, which is Joe Mixon. Now, Probably nobody who drafted Joe Mixon is excited about the pick right now. If you guys drafted Joe Mixon at the tail end of the first, early second round, he's been extremely average this year from a fantasy perspective. He's averaging in the mid-teens in terms of fantasy points per game, which again, has not killed you, but it's not been what you wanted out of Joe Mixon based on what he did last year. He's also been extremely average efficiency-wise as a runner, 3.3 yards per carry on the season, 4.0 yards per touch overall, just really, really bad numbers. I talked about being you know, lukewarm on Joe Mixon going into the season, and it was basically for one major reason. Anytime you guys heard me talk about Joe Mixon, the reason I was not that in on Joe Mixon is because I said, you know, what happens if the touchdowns just don't, don't go his way, right? Because touchdowns are fickle. They're hard to predict. And then we have an inefficient running back behind a shaky offensive line with a lot of new pieces added and what we project to be a great offense. Sure. But he basically needs to be spoon fed everything on the goal line to be able to be a highly productive fantasy running back. Like he was last year, I would have been fine betting on Mixon if I thought he was a difference making talent, but I, he, he isn't a difference making talent. He's a good running back. He's a starting caliber running back in the NFL, but the ceiling for Mixon was completely dependent on how the new offensive line played around him, how many opportunities he had to score touchdowns, how good the offense was around him. And now we're seeing the downside risk standpoint of not investing in a great talent at the running back position. And it's resulted in a mid-level RB2 of Joe Mixon, which is not what you asked for, which is not what you signed up for. You wanted an RB1, a top five running back, 36th of 54 running backs in PFF rushing grade, minus 5.84 fantasy points per game below expectation. Right now, according to his workload, he should be the RB1 in fantasy right now. He has the highest expected fantasy points per game, but instead he's the RB14 in fantasy, RB17 if you include some CPATs and DeAndre Swifts who haven't played the full allotment of games to reach that mark. So instead, he's RB17 in points per game because he can't create on his own. His 10.1% tackles avoided per attempt ranks 56th among running backs as well. And he's had just one run of 15 plus yards. The point is with Joe Mixon, you want to sell him because his value is still marketably high because he's a big name. He was productive for fantasy last year and he hasn't been terrible this year. But the point that I'm trying to drive home is that he's still a running back. He has a lot of career carries under his belt, so he could always get injured. If you're going to hold a player on your roster that you know hasn't been terrible from where you drafted him, you want to do that with wide receivers, with tight ends, and with quarterbacks. You don't want to do that with running backs because unless you're getting the elite value, the elite upside of a running back position, you don't want to hold that potential injury risk on your roster. So if you can sell Joe Mixon for a guy that has a higher ceiling, like a DeAndre Swift or a Jonathan Taylor, for example, I would definitely be going out and doing that. Maybe you can package him in a two-for-one to get up to somebody even better, like a Kenneth Walker. So uh, Joe Mixon, definitely a guy that I'm going to be looking to shop 
David Montgomery, the next guy that is skyrocketing down my rankings, running back 20 in last week's video, running back 25 for me now. Last week, he played his lowest healthy game snap share in nearly three years in week seven. And this week, Khalil Herbert outcarried him for the first time in his entire career. Montgomery, like Joe Mixon, has always been a started a starting caliber running back, a solid running back in the NFL, but he's not a guy that's going to create loads of fantasy production on his own because he's not an elite talent at the position. You give him volume and he'll be very productive for fantasy. We've seen that over the last couple of years, especially in 2020 down the stretch, but his volume share is being eaten into. And that was his draw coming into the year. So now we're left with a low end RB2 type of appeal that could even be dwindling because Khalil Herbert, frankly, just might be the better running back in this backfield. And not only that, but David Montgomery's name has come up in trades. They've already traded two players off of the Bears roster already. So if David Montgomery gets traded to the Rams or something, I suppose that would be decent for his fantasy value. But I think in Chicago, he's best suited to be the starting, you know, workhorse caliber running back that we expected coming into the season. And that's just not happening right now. Khalil Herbert's playing very well. He's very, very efficient. And David Montgomery, frankly, just isn't. So uh, Montgomery is sliding down my rankings because that volume monopoly that he had on that Bears backfield for so many years is starting to, uh, you know, dwindle. And speaking of a guy that had a monopoly on his backfield for so many years, it's starting to dwindle. We have Ezekiel Elliott, who is basically uh, falling majorly due to injury reasons. He's expected to be out for the next three to four games dealing with a knee injury. But if I were you guys and I had Ezekiel Elliott on my team, I probably would not wait for him to get back. I would sell him now to maybe a contender who thinks that he's a, you know, playoff darling, a guy that can be good for him down the stretch. The time to sell high has probably passed on Ezekiel Elliott. But if you can get any upside pieces in return for Ezekiel Elliott, if you're in a winning position, let's say you're six and two or something, and you have Zeke and you're like, I'll just wait for him to come back. He'll be good for me down the stretch. I suggest you sell him for somebody with more upside. I would sell him for, you know, AJ Dillon plus or Kareem Hunt plus or somebody like that. Maybe you can even get up to that Raheem Mostert, Miles Sanders territory because with Ezekiel Elliott, we need to wait for some good news regarding his injury. I have no doubt in my mind that once he comes back, the Dallas Cowboys will give him his workload back. I'm not concerned about Tony Pollard taking away his carries. What I'm concerned for is the injury. We have a running back with 2,000 career touches coming off of a knee injury, and we saw how much that affected him last year. And I think to Ezekiel Elliott's credit, he's been a very durable running back over the course of his career. And he rushed back from the injury last year instead of taking a couple games off. So that three to four week timeline will probably be on the, the earlier end of that. And Ezekiel Elliott will probably come back You'll put him into your fantasy lineup because you think he's healthy and he'll probably end up sinking some of your weeks. So if I were you guys, I would be trying to sell Ezekiel Elliott, you know, based on name value, based on the offense and how it looked against the Bears last week. Sell him on name value. Go after Raheem Mostert. Go after Miles Sanders. And again, at worst, if you can't get to those guys, go after A.J. Dillon, Kareem Hunt, Alexander Madison, guys that have high, high intrinsic value if you don't need somebody in your lineup right away. So uh, moving on to the final guy of the video, and this is another one that I think stings me a little bit because I really bought into this guy at the beginning of the season in Christian Kirk, who was wide receiver 20 just last week for me in my rest of season rankings, has moved down since to wide receiver 29. Now, the usage is pretty solid for Christian Kirk. He's had at least 60 yards and or scored a touchdown in six of eight games this year. The issue is that earlier in the season, Christian Kirk's value was really buoyed by the fact that Trevor Lawrence looks like he was taking a big time step in his career. And we thought Christian Kirk being a part of this offense now with a plus starter at quarterback could be an every week wide receiver two starter on the back of Trevor Lawrence posting PFF grades in the high seventies early on in the season and looking like a second year leap candidate. Now we have Trevor Lawrence posting PFF passing grades actually worse than his rookie season in the mid fifties. And maybe they'll realize it's been because, you know, they haven't used Christian Kirk quite as much as they were earlier on in the season, but 
uh, man, it's just not looking good for the Jacksonville Jaguars right now. They don't look like the type of offense that we thought they could be early on in the season. And lately, they've been a lot less creative with Christian Kirk, a lot less creative overall. And either way, it looks like Christian Kirk duped us, right? It looks like he was baiting us into thinking he was a wide receiver too, more than just the wide receiver three flex play that he was in Arizona last year and that he is probably now. So I still think he's a fine PPR option. I don't think you need to sell the guy necessarily, but I do think you need to downgrade expectations for Christian Kirk because I personally have Christian Kirk on one of my, uh, you know, my home league team. And I thought he was going to be an every week wide receiver two for me. He's looking more like a wide receiver three flex play. And I think we just have to accept that. I'd probably hold Christian Kirk. I'm not necessarily inclined to sell him or buy him, but uh, definitely not something that you wanted to see if you have Christian Kirk on your roster. So like I said, if you guys want the rest of my rest of season rankings available in the pinned comment down below, leave a like while you're down there. Subscribe to the channel if you are new as well. Comment any of your thoughts down below. I'll get to as many comments as I possibly can. Make sure if you guys want to do some player props, do some uh, battle royale drafts during th this Sunday, a fun, fun way to play DFS is over at underdogfantasy.com. Using the promo code FSE when you sign up, you'll get 100% back on whatever you put in. So if you want to do some player props, some higher or lowers, some uh, rivals, all that fun stuff that they have over there, you can sign up using promo code FSE. You'll get you know $40 if you put in $20, and you can do a ton of those. They have pick them insurance, so you only need to get four or five right to win some money. Definitely check that out. And as a thank you for using our promo code, you'll get access to our Dynasty Rankings Manifesto for the rest of the season. You'll get access to our weekly start-sit rankings to help you set your lineups as well, just for using that promo code. So check that out if it interests you. Link down below in the description. Peace out, guys, and we'll talk to you soon. Wire me the money.